Welcome to The Alamon Show. Here, we'll discover the success stories of local business trailblazers, where we discuss topics from marketing strategies to community engagement. You'll gain practical insights for your own venture. Join us weekly to celebrate and learn from our local entrepreneurial heroes. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and become a part of our growing community of business enthusiasts and entrepreneurs. Now, let's get started. What? So, why Leesburg? Um, so I was gonna go to law school. Okay. In Georgetown. Okay. Um, and I think I moved here around like August or so. I had a few friends that had graduated. They lived in Leesburg, and they said, you know, if you're gonna go to Georgetown, why not just come to Leesburg for at least like a few months? Um, we can hang out. You can just kind of move away. Um, and then you never left. Exactly. Yeah. So I moved down. Um, I'd already taken the LSATs, was prepared to go. And I kept looking into, did I want to be an attorney? Was it the right path? I could see you as an attorney. You kind of have People that. People have like, said that. I mean, I, I take it as a compliment. That's fantastic. I, I wanted but, to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a doctor, a lawyer. So it's not, it yeah, is a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing, I wouldn't even mind being a lawyer. The thing was mainly um, the loans. It's oh, just expensive. First of all, it's yeah. so expensive. Yeah. And then part of me was like, if I go to Georgetown, I have to get more loans. That's another three years at least of law school. Then I'd I'd seen documentaries and stories about people who became lawyers, mm-hmm. took out the loans, and then they graduated and they were making about like fifty, sixty K, which is good. Yeah. But if you're an attorney and you've done undergraduate school plus and you have lots law school. Of- loan payments you, you need have, to make. Exactly, yeah. You have loans, <laughs> then it's, it's... You're like, wait, logistically, this isn't lining up for me right now. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, is it worth it? And then I kind of, at the time, um, when I moved here, I was looking into real estate. Yeah. Because in college, I'd heard about real estate investing, and I wanted to eventually invest in real estate, um, but knew nothing about it. So my mindset was, if I at least become an agent, and this was the original mindset, it didn't happen nearly as easily, of course. But the mindset was, if I become an agent, I can work in the industry, learn more about the industry, and eventually make money to invest. Of course. And then after you become an agent, you realize that it's not a salary-based job. It's commission only. Um, so it's like is, opening your own business. Exactly, yeah. Which is good and bad. Which is good and bad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And then I kind of figured, well, maybe law school is not the right path. Let me try real estate mm-hmm. for a bit. And then I ended up joining up with uh, Weikert in Ashburn. And then uh, at the same time, I think about a year later or so, a year and a half, I was trying to do real estate and taking my sweet time to go through the 60 hours. 60 hours became two years, pretty much like a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also start working at the law firm kind of across the, the street time. from here, funny yeah. enough. <laughs> um, so yeah. What did you like about working at the law firm? Um, like, what did you learn? It showed me how I think the daily workflow of attorneys can be, if that makes sense. Because um, I think sometimes, especially before, when I was in undergraduate school, there's this idea that lawyers are kind of the way they are on TV and on shows and, and different dramas. And from my experience, a lot of what they do is phone calls, mm-hmm. paperwork, and that's the majority of the job. Now, I'm not an attorney, so I can't say. Maybe an attorney will correct me and say, well, actually, we do this, and if you're a litigator, it's not that bad. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, in general, from what I saw, it was a lot of 
paperwork and phone well, calls. Don't want to do. Or it's pretty much what you're doing now, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. You didn't realize you were going to get right back there. Yeah, in a weird way, it kind of I ended up doing things. It, you know, it's funny. Back when I was um in college, part of me wanted to do real estate investing because I didn't want to work that much. Yeah. And then over the years, as I tried to get into real estate and started like my own business with time management, I ended up working all day. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. I like to like, work. That wasn't the intention here. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's not the intention, but it kind of ended up being that way. Yeah. Um. It's like a, uh, it, it kind of worked out in a weird way, but it's funny how life turns out. How it does that. That's right. And then tell me about yeah. this time management piece. Yeah. So I just started that recently, um, productivity and time management coaching. Um, so one of my, I guess, core philosophies is that I think the thing people want in life is fulfillment and happiness, but I personally believe the way to get to it is through this concept called eudaimonia. Okay. Which is explain more. <laughs> <laughs> so eudaimonia is kind of this old classic Greek philosophy term, um, sort of coined unofficially by Socrates, because Socrates never wrote anything, but his disciples, his students, claim that he came up with this concept. Um, and it's basically the good life, and the good life is formed by having a certain degree of health, a certain degree of wealth, and a certain degree of relationships, like social interactions. Um, so it, originally, most of my branding and most of my content was all about helping people understand eudaimonia and kind of why it's a positive framework. And it's a framework I've adopted into my own life, and I think it's been helpful. Um, so it's me just kind of sharing the message initially. And I used to kind of share that, but I kind of found that at the kind of the top of eudaimonia, the thing that people need first is time management, which I also consider self-management in a way. Um, because if you can't manage your day, if you can't manage yourself, then there's you, you can't really improve your health. You can't really improve your finances. You can't really have better quality relationships because you might just be too disorganized or your life is too chaotic or too hectic. So that's kind of where the origin of the time management coaching was. And then I kind of tried to coach, I tried um, marketing it to see if it's, something people would even be interested in. And I found a fair amount of people that were like, oh yeah, my life is disheveled. It's, it's in disarray. I can't seem to manage my time. So I kind of been, I've been focusing on that a lot lately. Yeah, no, I love that because a lot of it is, number one, you've got to be self-aware to know that your life is chaotic and that it's fixable. Yes. Right? Because it's hard to convince somebody of that. So if they're not aware, then <laughs> you probably don't want to be coaching them. Yeah. Um, but then, like, secondly, you know, like that whole saying, like, everybody still has it has the same amount of hours in their day as Beyonce or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true. It's like once you figure out that you really can achieve anything in life, mm -hmm. however, you've got to make sure that you're allotting the right amount of time to the different tasks. Yes. You're like, I know more. Like, what, what, how, do you, how do you help people? Like, besides say, like, your life is chaotic and is a mess. <laughs> give me, like, if somebody is watching this and they're like, how is this different? They're probably going to go Google the term. But <laughs> if I were, like, one of your coaching students, mm -hmm. what's, like, your process, your step, questions you ask? Yeah, so the... The first thing I try to get people to do, um, and this is a big problem I've seen, is a lot of people don't have actual long-term goals. Mm -hmm. 
I think people kind of, and I don't mean this in a bad way, they kind of wing life in a sense. And I, I totally get how that is. But they kind of just do things because they think they should do it or they never really thought about why they're doing it. So the main thing that I've been seeing is you kind of, I'll sit there and ask someone, what do you want just out of life in general? And it's funny to see people not really know the answer, which I completely understand. Um, You're like, no judgment. We're going to change that. <laughs> well, yeah. Like I'll, I'll give an example. Um, a client of mine recently, I was talking to her. I said, what do you, you're on this coaching call. And this is like her very first coaching call. What the first thing we need to define is what are your goals and what do you want out of life? And she says, well, I want more money. It's like, okay, that's cool. Lots of people want more money, but how much money and why do you want the money? And then it's like, I don't know. Why do I want this much money? Why do I want more money? I guess to pay bills. It's like, okay, you want to, sounds like you want to be at least comfortable. Maybe you're not comfortable, but you want to be more comfortable. So if you could give a specific amount of money that you'd like to make, and I'm not a financial coach, but this is just us mm -hmm. kind of reverse engineering what she wants out of life so we can figure out how, how get she there. can get there. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, maybe 60K is good. It's like, okay, well, have you done the math on 60K? And I, I try to get really deep. Mm -hmm. um, because to me, once you kind of figure out what the goal is, you mm -hmm. can reverse engineer the goal. And then from there, you're motivated to plan your day more effectively to get the things you want out of life. That's my logic, at least. Yeah. Um, and it applies to everything, even like health, for example. Um, I know for me, when I was growing up, I had bad health problems. So I was really overweight, really obese. And I had to take um, kind of the steroid and it really made me gain a lot of weight, but not the weight that like bodybuilders want to gain. No, it was no, yeah. not good weight for me, at least. Um, and the thing that made me at the time, at least initially, and this is probably true for a lot of males, <laughs> was you probably want to go on dates. So that's the why. You understand why you want to do something. And then you can reverse engineer, okay, I want to go on dates. So now I'm motivated to go to the gym because every time I don't go to the gym, that's a bigger opportunity that this girl that I find attractive might pass me up for some other guy that did go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So that's just one example. But you can apply that same kind of logic to everything. Yeah. It's kind of creating a stronger why. Exactly. Behind yeah. that thing, that goal that they have. Yeah. That's awesome. So, hey, let's tie that into what you do now. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about what you're doing now. Um, just in general or? Yeah. Yeah. So... I guess, are you asking what my why is or what my long-term goals are? Yes or? and yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so as far as my why, I'm a very weird guy. My personal why is to just kind of live a very, what's a good word for it? I'm trying to think of a very good word for it. I guess eclectic type life. It's a, I think that's a good word. Um like one of my current goals now, I, my girlfriend's Brazilian. I'm trying to learn Portuguese. So I've been taking Portuguese classes. Um, in general, I want to learn more languages, be in better shape, make more money, of course. But I think that's a, that's more on the, actually, to me, on the bottom of the totem pole of goals. It's just a means to an end. Um, and have better quality relationships in general. Um, meet more people like yourself. Um, network with people kind of, I, this is a very weird goal that I have and it's, it's going to sound super weird to a lot of people. One of my main long-term goals is to have a big house 
where I can have a very big party with a lot of cool, interesting people. I love that. <laughs> and it's, Wait, where's the house going to be, though? That's a good... You know what? To be honest, I think Texas <laughs> might be the move. Okay. Um, just because on Instagram, I follow a lot of, of real estate pages, mm-hmm. and I always see the prices of houses, and I think to myself... You know this keep going yet, though. I've been watching it, too. Have you been watching it, too? Yeah. It's, Galveston, Texas. It's yeah, like this huge it's so thing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Northern Virginia, like... Um, so, we, I'm most likely going to move to Lynchburg soon, kind of south in Virginia. Okay. Uh, my girlfriend's there now, and we have an apartment down there. Um, we saw some of the houses down there, and they're really nice, mm-hmm. and they're about two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars 300000 And I joke with her and say, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars 300000 in Northern Virginia. I don't think, I don't know if they can, you can get your small condo. Exactly, maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, it's like, do they exist? Uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I tell her, when I see, we see Texas, Texas, for now, seems like it could be a good move. A big pool. Is there going to be like a pool in the backyard, like a rooftop terrace? That would be nice. Like a nice pool so people can hang out at the pool. Nice interior. I love that. Space, open concept. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, that's, that's, to be honest, that's my main goal. And I know it sounds weird, but in my head, in order for me to get to that step, me kind of, again, reverse engineering and breaking down the process, to have... A party to have cool people at this party means you have to meet cool people. Mm-hmm. In order for you to meet cool people, you have to have certain social skills or attend more events or do more podcasts or things like this. Meet cool people like yourself. Um, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but meet more interesting people um, to invite to said party, cool party. in the future. Um, and then, I don't know, that's the way I kind of justify it. So I love that. It no, that good. Is, it's good because, like, you have a picture. I say this anytime I want to do like a cool event, I start seeing the picture and then I just have to find the, like you just said, I have to find all the pieces of the puzzle and put it together. Yes. Right? It's not just like a, like you're a student, oh, I want to make more money. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, no. Like you said, the money piece is just going to help fuel the actual why, the goal, the lifestyle, the visions, the whatever it is that each person has. Yeah, exactly. So that's fun. And so you're doing that right now through real estate. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Real estate um, and time management coaching is the secondary thing. Um, And then with real estate as well. So currently I'm not an active agent, kind of like most people are, where Mm -hmm. they might be local and they might show properties or have listings. Um, I'm a referral agent currently. Mm -hmm. Um, For anyone that's watching that's not super familiar with what a referral agent might do, um, a referral agent pretty much, at, at least the way it is with Weikert, where I'm with the brokerage I'm working with. Um, so in all 50 states, anyone can basically say they want to buy a house or list a house or rent. Mm-hmm. And then I connect with a realtor in that area that specializes in whatever property they want to buy or sell. Um, and we work together to help them finish the transaction. Yeah. Um, one of the main reasons why I'm doing that and not kind of the standard agent model of doing listings or showings, this is another weird philosophy I have. I think my pers- one of my personal kind of, I guess, business slash marketing philosophies kind of going forward in the future is I think it's helpful to kind of be what I call geographically agnostic mm-hmm. um, and try to find ways to make money but not in ways that are just bound to your local geography, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like with real estate, you kind of get stuck 
in your geography, which I, I, I've, when I first actually moved to Virginia and got my license, because I'm from Pennsylvania, people reached out and they said, oh, I want to buy a house. And I said, oh, I can't I help can't you because I'm only licensed in Virginia. And I didn't know much about referring people at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I missed out on a good amount of deals. Yeah. But as time went on, I figured, you know, if I know people, say, for example, and I, I, I know you guys work with brand, mm-hmm. and I think brand is extremely powerful for every business owner to have. If I have a brand and someone in California knows who I am and they want to buy a house, or if someone in New York knows who I am and they want to buy a house, or Texas, or Lynchburg, Virginia, or Florida, why would I, I guess, leave that money on the table? Or leave that opportunity on the table, so to speak. And not help them. And not help them. Right. And if I'm a referral agent, I can more directly help them, which is why yeah. I call myself a consultant slash advisor now, because technically I'm not an actual agent the way that most people understand active. agents. An act, or is that what it's called? No, no, no. Because you're still an active agent. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. I don't know that. <laughs> I'm not like an official salesperson, yeah. I guess. I guess that'd be the official way to say it. Um, yeah. So That's I don't know if that was a. Have too... you thought about doing like a podcast or something? I had one in the past. You did. I stopped. One? I stopped doing. Why did you it. stop? Um, it was just it's, it's, it's podcasts were a lot of work to yeah. put together. Well, they have range. so much AI now that can help take a lot of that burden off. Yeah. You can also do um, like you don't have to do in person. You can do online if you want. Yeah. You know, sure. like there's lots of. I just feel like as you're curating all your cool people for this big party <laughs> it'd be a great way because then yeah you can like kind of grow that collective of people and you can invite them on and talk to them yeah i think you'd be good at it because you're a good conversationalist i appreciate that i i, I appreciate that because i feel like i ramble and go in like a thousand well, so that's what directions. i consider a good conversationalist it's okay. just like you can have easy conversation talk about anything <laughs> yeah, i appreciate that then um yeah maybe in the future i might yeah. Might um, revive it. There we go. What was it called? What was the name of the podcast? It used to be called Meeting Virginia. Meet in Virginia? Meet, meeting Virginia. Meeting Virginia. Meeting Virginia. Okay. And I tried to be... Because you were cause, well, moving into Virginia. Because I was moving to Virginia. Yeah. And I tried to be clever. And there's a train song that I like called Meet Virginia. Yeah. Okay. I, tried, I was, That was me trying to be clever several years ago. <laughs> but um, Well, yeah. you could probably spin that off somehow. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so I know a little bit about what you're doing going into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know where you're going to be with your big party in Texas with a whole bunch of really cool people. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be there. We'll see if I make the cut. You're invited. But, <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but in terms of like, because you've been here for quite a while. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing here in Northern Virginia, Loudoun County, that is nice way to say it that not bothers you but like you wish it could be a little bit different um i mean the first thing that comes to mind is honestly home prices that's the biggest thing that comes to mind um just because i think and of course this is because i've worked with real estate um i think home prices are a bit high and i in my personal belief, I know people in the area that watch this might get mad at me. Sometimes I don't think the price necessarily justifies. It doesn't. The house. It doesn't. Okay, I'm not alone thinking that. Yeah, thing. no. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe it's because I'm seeing other states and yeah. other. I, 
I, I try to look at real estate in other countries too. Um, and I, you just see different things. And if I see, for example, a house in Texas that's 400K or 500K and has a pool, 3,000 square feet, I'm making up this number, but 3,000 square feet has like a big backyard. And then I see a property in, say, Leesburg that's 500K and it's a townhouse that's 1,200 square feet, barely a backyard, certainly no pool. Floors <laughs> need to be replaced, appliances need to be replaced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just. Supply and demand, though, right? Like, it's what it comes down to, unfortunately. Is yeah. More people want to live here with all the good jobs. Yeah, yeah. The government. Exactly. But it. It's definitely overpriced. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's that's my <laughs> belief. Um, something else, um, and this is, it, I don't think about this that frequently, but it comes up every once and again. Um, walkability. I, I like to walk. Mm-hmm. I, I do like to drive too, but I prefer to walk if I can. And even when I, I when I remember moving to Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. I was so used to Penn State where you walk everywhere. And then you come to Northern Virginia and you have to have a car. I, like When I first came here, I didn't have a car. <laughs> so it was very difficult to go to the gym. If I had to go to the gym, I, I used to go to the gym at LA Fitness in uh, the village. Mm-hmm. You can't really walk from, I used to live across from the outlet for anyone watching that's familiar with where that is. You can't really walk from the outlet to the village. You yeah. can take the bus, but it's, it's, then you have to get on the bus's schedule. So it's not, yeah. it's not quite the same. Um, yeah, anything you need. If you need groceries, it's difficult to walk because now you're walking across either a highway or yeah. several streets to get there. Um, and it's not so much the distance. To me, it's just the impracticality of... Not safe. Of it being not safe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, that's probably... The, I know maybe those don't sound like big things for a lot of people, but I I like a bit of walkability in yeah. areas that I live. I think it's better for health, but it's also just better for... I don't know. I just, I just like it. It's nice to be outside and walk and not have to be stuck sitting there. Like, if people are going to be spending this much money to live in this area, they should at least be able to walk if yeah, they want to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my belief, at least. I think. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's a good point. Um, in terms of your upbringing, who would you mm-hmm. say is the most influential people, person in creating this eclectic human being sitting in front of me? <laughs> that is tough. That is tough. Um, I would say both of my parents are pretty influential. I think they're, I'll say they're both influential, but they're influential for different ways and different, for different reasons, I'll say. Um, my dad was more of, he was influential and more of a defensive, think long-term perspective. I think my mom was a bit more influential from the more kind of being ambitious perspective and kind of having big goals and allowing yourself to kind of dream big, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know if I would say either of them are more or less influential, but I, I, I don't know if this like really answers your question. I do think they're influential in just different ways that I guess both impact me, I guess equally. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I haven't really thought sense. about which one is. That makes sense. You don't pick a favorite either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What are a couple of books or even just one book that you're like for the entrepreneur, business owner, someone who's trying to grow themselves? Um, one book that I always recommend that I rarely hear people bring up is um, The Social Animal. Oh, I've never even heard of that. I, I can't recall who wrote it. I read this in college. I wrote, read this several times, but I read it the first time in college. Um, 
and basically the social animal, it's, I think it's, it's, is it two people or three people? I think it's two people that the author kind of walks you through their life from start to finish. Um, one of them, I think, is a, I think she's a Mexican, Chinese um, girl, and she has immigrant parents. And because she has immigrant parents and because they live kind of in poverty, she's super ambitious and she, and she becomes this big um, business owner. And then the other one is this guy, I think he's like Irish or something like that. Um, his family's pretty well off and he's born pretty high IQ, pretty athletic. But then as time goes on, he ditches the athleticism and favors being a, a historian, works at a museum. They meet up and it's a story about how people kind of progress in life mm -hmm. and the different problems they have, the different challenges they have and how things in life change. So as time goes on, they meet each other. And even though it would seem like she might be, she wouldn't be that interested in this historian that works in a museum, mm -hmm. he's almost a balance to her and vice versa because she's super hyper-competitive and he's very, he's very mellow and he likes to kind of take in the details and it's, it's, it's an interesting book. And he talked, he kind of pairs it with biology and chemistry and how things in your brain change as time goes on and it's a super interesting book. That. It's hard yeah. for me to really get into. No, I love the, psychology stuff. And I love like, <laughs> yeah, like social, all that stuff, like how we interact with people. So it's very good. I highly recommend it. That's cool. <laughs> now it's called the, you said the social animal? The social animal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Well, yeah, I was going to say I've never even heard of that one. So yeah, <laughs> that's good. I've never heard anyone ever recommend yeah. it. And to me, it's one of the, it's, I won't say one of the greatest books. That's a bit hyping it up too much. But it's, yeah. it's a fantastic book that I think everyone should read. There we go. Very cool. <laughs> now, anything else that you want to add before we wrap up or piece of advice or anything on your heart that you want to share? Oh, that's a good question. It's a little dramatic. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the one thing that I always, I typically just recommend is I think everyone should try to just improve a little bit every day. I think just um, I think people have heard of that idea of the compound effect, and I one thousand percent think it's a very true thing to pe for people to consider this compound effect. Um, you do a little bit each day, and over the course of a year, you've made sort of monumental gains. But it doesn't seem like it because you're just doing a little bit at a time. So I think that's if I had to leave on a single message, I think everyone should try to improve by one percent every single day. I love that advice. Thanks so much for being on the show. So glad to have you and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Alamon Show. If you are a business owner, you are in the Northern Virginia area, or you're willing to come out and visit us here in our Leesburg studio, and you've been in business for at least five years, I invite you to apply or nominate a guest for an upcoming show. Go to alamonphotography.com and click on podcast where you'll find a link to nominate a guest. And thanks as always for listening.